welcome to Sunday service, or should I say, Happy New Year! This year, New Year's Eve fell on Sunday, so this morning at church, we had a New Year's uh, themed message and, and worship service. I know this is a little bit of a longer episode than what I normally post, but I did add a bit of our worship in there, just five minutes of it. So if you don't want to listen to the worship part of it, you can just forward to about minute five and you'll you'll skip the song. I just added one song in there that went along with the message. And um, I just pray that you are blessed by this episode and that it really starts off your new year on the right foot. So enjoy listening to the message, What's Your Story? Thank you. 
tell I was singing too loud and now my throat's all scratchy. Every time I practice this in my room, I just, I practice this and I was, I was just enjoying God because this is my story. This is my song. You know, the author of this song, she's telling us her story. Really, her name's Fanny Crosby. Her, it's her story, but we're singing, we're singing her story. We're going, I want to make her story my story. Right When we're singing this, we're going, yes, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. All the day long. That means when traffic is bad and you're at a standstill. Those of you who were stuck in the traffic this morning, were you praising your Savior all the day long? I don't know about that. I won't ask you. Um, but that's my question for you this morning on this last day of 2023. What is your story? I want you to think about that question while I continue to speak. What is your story? My first passage comes from Joshua 4, 21, 24. He, he said, that would be Joshua, to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So Joshua gave this instruction to the Israelites because uh, God had instructed him to grab some stones from the middle of the river. He was gonna part the river, they were gonna cross over on dry land, and he said, grab stones from the middle. And because he had the leaders of each tribe grab a stone, I always think that the men being men, they were gonna be like, I'm gonna grab the largest stone, and you're gonna see how strong I am. So they grabbed these large stones, and then when they got to the other side, they made what I'm gonna call a remembrance altar. And Joshua tells him, this is why. Because years from now, when your children walk by, their children, their children, their children, they're going to look at these stones and say, what are they doing there? What's the story with those stones? And God tells them two reasons why he had them set up this remembrance altar so that they can hear about the power of God and his provision and what he did for them, but also so they themselves will remember who God is and that they would remember to still be in awe and reverence of God. Um, today, really these stones, they were a, they were what we're gonna call a conversation starter. Really, that, that's what they were. They were just stones, but they were a conversation starter to tell of the goodness of God. So today we're crossing a river. We're crossing a river called 2023 right? Um, and we should spend some time looking back over what's transpired. Um, in my, one of my morning devotions, um, and I shared a little bit of it on Facebook, but it said, this is a time that we need to remember. And as we remember, we're either 
rejoicing, repenting, or resolving, right? We're, and resolving means we, how, how do we learn from this and what can we look forward to in the future? Um, God brought you through a lot, whether you realize it or not, through 2023. And um, I'm not just talking about 2023. It's our whole life. We should always look back and see all that God has done for us. Now, we don't have to set up stones wherever God has done something miraculous for us and then stand there and wait for somebody to say, what's that? What's that for? What's the story? Because the word tells us that we're living stones. We are living stones, which means our life, how we live, should be a conversation starter should be a conversation starter and say, what's your story? What's your story? What's going on with you? Why does it seem like you're going through a really hard time, but you don't look like you're going through a really hard time? You don't act like you're going through a really hard time. What's your story? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you what God has said. We are the remembrance altar. We are the living stones. And I want people to look at me and go, what's your story, Shelly? What's your story? And I'll tell them. I'll tell them sometimes whether they want to hear or not. But you have a story. Some people think that they don't have one to share. And don't let your thoughts, don't let the enemy, Satan, tell you that you do not have a story. Sometimes we convince ourselves that we don't have a story. And that I fall into that category because I did not feel that my story was dramatic enough. You know, when you're growing up and you're a teenager, you're going to camps and they have these people come in and they're like, this was my life. I was, and it's just like, you know, just the things that they went through. So listening to all these big testimonies, I was thinking, I don't have one. I don't have this dramatic story to tell. I, I in my personality, am not rebellious. Um, I just, I don't have that in me to be, to be rebellious like that. I'll tell you, um, uh, the most rebellious thing that I've really ever done, I, I did as an adult, and that was when I pierced my nose, everybody, but it wasn't even rebellion because, you know what I did before I pierced my nose, is I asked my pastor, because I was, I was working at the church, I was like, well, it was my dad too, so that, you know, but anyway, I still asked, I was like, is that okay? I asked our regional overseer, because I was state youth leader at the time, I was like, hey, I'm thinking of this, do you care? He's like, I don't care. I, I, I even called Kathy Payne in our international offices because she was using me to work at different regional women's conferences around the United States. So do we call that a rebellious thing or not? Because I asked permission from so many people, but that's really like the most rebellious thing that I've ever done. I've never been drunk, I don't, don't, um, smoke. I never done drugs. I don't swear. I obeyed my parents and I had a household that stayed intact. So I didn't even have, you know, like a, a, a family that was, that was divided, even though we talked about this at Christmas. And I was like, asked all the kids. And I was like, did you ever think if mom and dad got divorced, who would I live with? Because I did, you know, and me, I was just like, I would just have to go with whoever the other two didn't pick because I didn't want the other one to be sad. And they all laughed and they were like, yeah, we all thought the same thing. So I told Brayden, I was like, don't tell me who would choose because it would probably hurt my feelings because they probably would choose their dad. Anyway, um, but I didn't think that my story was dramatic enough to share. I don't know if anybody else is in that boat, but... Um, 
I do have a testimony. I did have a testimony because even though I may not have been outwardly struggling with a lot of things, my struggles are inward. My struggles are in here, my, are in here. And God has brought me through a lot. And over the year, I've shared those things with you, how he brought me from depression, from thoughts of suicide, and other life difficulties that we all go through. People hurt us. People let us down. We go through health scares, health crises, financial crises, you know. And, and he's brought me through all of that. I have a testimony to share. But my thought was, I didn't share for a long time because I just didn't think it was big enough. But then there's the other end of the spectrum where people are thinking, I was way too far gone. And I still have a long way to go. So I, I better not share my testimony because because I still have such a long way to go. And can I tell you that if we waited until we were all perfect to share our testimony, we wouldn't hear a testimony because we're still on this on this on this journey of sanctification, on this journey of being in the image of God. But so as God brings you from healing to healing, from deliverance to deliverance, from from glory to glory, we need to share each one of those steps even if you still struggle with things. Let God let people see what God has, is doing for you right? That is your testimony. And I think of these women that have written to us that receive these, these, C, these CDs and they're like, they, they tell us their testimony. They're, and uh, one woman, when she's like, I am in here for 18 years, she said, but God is with me, right? They're still in the midst of their struggles. And, and as they write these letters, they're sharing their testimony as God is bringing them through. We have a story to tell. What is your story? Now, Joshua gave two reasons why they should give a testimony so that others can see the power of God, so that uh, we remember ourselves, the power of God, and stay in awe and stay in wonder of him. But there is another reason. Actually, you could probably fill up a book on why your testimony is so important. But one very big reason is your testimony is powerful. It is a weapon. If you look in Revelations, which Revelations is the book of prophecies, things to come. We just came through Christmas. And when you read the Old Testament, there were prophecies of a Messiah being born and all that Jesus would do. And when Jesus was on this earth, he fulfilled them all. So now we are in this waiting to see revelations being fulfilled. And if we look around, right, we can see things are already beginning to happen. So revelations tells us that Satan will one day be overthrown, defeated. And we read in Revelations 12, 10, 11, says this. This was after the devil has been defeated. It says, a voice came from heaven and said, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser, that would be Satan, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, which would be Jesus, and all that he did, he sacrificed his life for us. He shed his blood for us and he defeated death, hell, and the grave for us. That's why he can say in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world, right? So we, they've over, overcame 
Satan, by the blood of the lamb, Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. You know what this tells me? Your testimony is powerful. Powerful. It defeated Satan. That's powerful. See, it's powerful because some people look and they read the word, but when you share your story, they're seeing that the word is alive, that the word is, is doing what the word says that it's going to do. What if someone out there is hearing the accusations of the enemy right now? That's what Satan is doing right now. He's an accuser of the brethren. What if he's whispering into somebody's ear right now, you're nothing. No one cares about you. Give up. You'll never knock this addiction. You'll never get over this tragedy that happened. You shouldn't forgive them because they hurt you and you have people that will be around you that will support you in that. Don't forgive them. You didn't do the wrong. They did. Wait for them to come to you, right? So you hear these accusations of the enemy says you'll never be healthy again. You'll never get over that. Those are accusations. And then what if the, that same person hearing the accusations, here's your testimony that says, I was sick, but now I'm healed. Mm -hmm. I was depressed, but now I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. Mm -hmm. I wanted to end my life, but I am here with fullness of life today. What happens when you share your testimony? You are giving the hope of Christ. You are giving that to them, and the hope is restored. The hope begins to dawn in their lives, and they themselves can call upon Jesus. They themselves call upon Jesus because of the word of your testimony. And we have something special that we're going to do today. We have a, a, a couple people that are going to share their testimony. But before they do, um, I'm, I want to sing this a song, and it's... Um, if I can get through this song, actually, because it, hit, it hits me right here every time because the words of it, it's just called mercy. And, um, and the first line is, I'm living proof of what the mercy of God can do. Every time I, I sing that first line, I think of, of all that God has brought me through. I'm here today as living proof of what God can do, what God can do in a heart, what he can do in a life, what he can do in a family when we continue to keep our hope in him. Um, so I'm going to try and sing this song. Um, but I, as, as I sing this, think of your story. You're, you're here today as living proof of what God can do.
If you knew me then, you'd believe me now. He turned my whole world upside down. Took the old and made me new. That's what the mercy of God can do. so good. Kyra, if you were going to come up and give your testimony, we'll let you come up first. I think everybody should have a part <laughs> of their story. Well, I've been coming here for a long time before Declan was born. So those of you that know me know a good chunk of my story. A huge chunk. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. It's a beautiful song. Um, gosh. It's good to see Bailey. That's an answer to prayer. This church has seen a lot of miracles. Amen. We may be small, 
Although I think 900 CDs that go out makes us pretty big. Yes, they may not be members, but they're a part of our church. They're part of the living, breathing word of God. And I thank God for that. I was asked to give part of my story, some of my story, a little bit of my story. Um, those of you that uh, know Eric, that's a huge part of my story. He's a mustard tree. Yes, they can grow really big. Uh, next month will make two years uh, since Eric was taken uh, to the hospital um, for his surgery. Actually, he had collapsed. Um, he had had a hemorrhage in his brain. Um, brain surgeon had called me. We were in the ER. Declan and I were in the ER. And, uh, you know, I really could probably write a book about what the Lord had done uh, throughout the entire journey uh, with Eric and his uh, survivorship. Um, it gave us an opportunity to talk to doctors and physicians that believe the science of science and how things work, right? As the brain surgeon tells me that Eric is going to pass through the night, through the brain bleed. Um, but that they were going to attempt to stop the bleeding and then go from there. Declan and I went directly to Pastor Sherry's house. <laughs> and you know, we stood in the gap for Eric because Eric wasn't saved at the time. And sometimes you get desperate. You get desperate because you don't want someone that you love, someone that you know to go to hell. Hell is not a good place to be. Um, and that's eternity. I don't know why everybody doesn't serve Jesus. Because if you knew, you'd know. So Eric comes through. But then through that time, he had suffered multiple strokes, bad ones that um, the uncertainty was there. But you know, when you believe and your church and your family stands in the gap, don't let them die lost. Oh God, please, don't let them die lost, please. <sighs> A lot had transpired during that time, but I had the opportunity to talk to doctors that um, said, you know, mm, this don't look good. I'll pray for that. I came running to my church. <laughs> we gotta pray. Um, and we did, we did. Many of us marched that hospital because you couldn't visit patients and he was in ICU for quite a few months. So we did the walls of Jericho and then when we ended our seven laps, we shouted scriptures. And one of the ones that, um, I believe Pastor Sherry and I walked several times and Declan met me after, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know he was coming. <laughs> um, he, he'd show up and, and we'd walk and he's like, well, what do I say? And I go, well, whatever. 
Fear not. Just believe. God, get me through this. Doctors called and said, you know, what kind of quality of life do you want for him? What's this long term? Well, I'll be praying for that. I'll be praying for that. I'll be praying for that. One doctor told me, Kyra, he's not responding. He's not. Nothing. Nothing neurologically is, is, is happening. Well, you know what? We're going to pray for that. We did. This church prayed. Somebody's prayer reached heaven. Praise God. You know, when you're asked to pray for somebody, you get to partake in the miracle. You get to be a part of that. As a part of that, Bailey, we prayed for you. Praise God. Praise God. Um, you know, you get to recognize the hospital's phone number. Uh, so I pulled over. I was coming. I was coming home from the hospital. I pulled over, and it's the it's the uh, internalist doctor in ICU. She goes. I picked up the phone. Hello, Kyra. Yes. It's a miracle. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. journey on. Um, he spent several months in the hospital. A lot transpired during that time. It's incredible. But God, God made a way. We were able to go to ICU and we took shifts to watch Eric. And I had anointed the doors and the windows and everything, everything. Declan would go in and be like, Mom, the oil is running on the walls. Yeah, that's right. Because we have tools to use. Use them. God gives it to us. Our journey's not over. Each one has a journey here. And I thank God for that um, opportunity to share with every doctor pray for that. See, a lot of doctors really don't believe, or they keep it to themselves if they believe. But boy, some doctors didn't. Some doctors did. God orchestrated every part of Eric's recovery, and I believe and stand in here thanking the good Lord for his mercy and his grace, because at a later date, Eric repented. Praise God. All the angels rejoiced. So did I. <laughs> I'm thankful for that. Um, many of you have heard this, this part of our story. Our journey's not over. I believe that uh, God's not done with Eric. Um, I'm, I thank God for the ability to, to share Eric's testimony. Um, and we're grateful and thankful every day for the breath of life, for every day is truly a gift. I have a ton more stories, many, 
I pray for Patrick because I come from a really bad addictive home. My great-grandparents took me home, not my parents. My father's a convicted felon for murder. My mother was homeless for ever. And she has a home, my home. Come, come, come. Learn of your grandchildren. Come. It's too clean of a lifestyle. But God comes on the scene. Praise God. She's not here. She's still in Hawaii along with my brothers and all my family members. However, she's off the streets after 40 plus 50, ooh, I'm getting old, many, many, many years of being on the streets and drug addicted. Um, you know, God makes a way. She's not on the streets. She's in a home in a gated community where all of her medical is taken care of, where she has a kitchen and uh, um, her own room, her own facilities. She gave her life to the Lord. She lives for Jesus. God knew how to take care of her. Did I have to wait a lifetime? Well, yeah. But the whole point is to believe. Believe and trust. Ask so that you may receive his goodness in your life. I praise God. If you don't know Jesus, come to know him. My life is riddled with miracles. Miracles upon miracles upon miracles. God has been good to me. Difficult times. Difficult times. I'll tell you one more miracle. Actually, I have more. But one more. At five and a half months pregnant with my son, the doctor tells me I need to abort, abort the child. There's a genetic disorder that he will not live. Um, but just a few hours after birth, you're five and a half months pregnant. Um, we called on the name of Jesus. Drove down to my uncle's church in Sumner, and he goes, okay, this is big. But God. Doctors are like, you are out of your mind. Guess what? You are out of your mind. I have a 25-year-old son that sits in back because God made a way. Believe. Ask others for prayer. Trust. Believe. The word says he will bring it to pass. I thank God for this ability to share his goodness. And trust me, everybody, everybody sees it and hears it. So thank you for hearing part of my story.
So for those who don't know me, or for those listening on CD or Spotify, uh, my name's Paul. I am the other half of Pastor Shelley. We've been married for 32 years. Um, they've been pretty much good years. Um, and I am, um, uh, let's see, I've been married for 32 years and I'm an alcoholic in recovery. That's part of my story. Um, my sobriety date is July 28th, 2019. I was born and raised in the great Pacific Northwest. So, um, I have webbing for fingers. I have webbing for toes. I swim in the Puget Sound where it's, I swam. I don't do it anymore. The more gray hair I get, the more wisdom I get, I think, um, but I'm born and raised here. If anybody has ever watched the movie Sandlot, that was the town that I kind of grew up in. I spent my summers in the river or fishing in the lake by myself or with friends. And I spent a lot of time in the outdoor pool and playing baseball. I mean, the Sandlot really is kind of like my backstory. Um, one night, I so I grew up in, in a Baptist church. My parents... Um, went to a Baptist church, very conservative church. We had a piano and an organ, and that was it for music. No, um, nothing else. Everybody sat very quietly, very politely. Nobody raised their hands. The first time I saw somebody raise their hand in a church, I was like, what are they doing? Because I didn't see any flies flying around. And I was a teenager before I heard somebody speak in tongues and I got up and walked out the door because I had no clue what was going on. I thought it was just a little too heebie-jeebie for me. Um, so I was seven years old. My mom would always read me out of a children's Bible. She would always read me bedtime stories. And one night, I was seven years old, I felt the weight of sin all around me, and I asked her to help me pray uh, for salvation. So I've grown up in church pretty much my entire life. My parents have been married for 70 years. I didn't realize it until we were married, but um, I kind of grew up in a beaver cleaver for the old people. Um, the beaver cleaver household. My parents didn't fight. If they did, it was not in front of the kids. It was just that was my normality. So it was just, it was, I come from a very sheltered place, I guess you could say. Um, but July 28th, 2019 was my day zero. And I'm going to read just a little bit out of my journal. I started journaling back then. Um, so I wrote Sunday morning at 8:40. I'm sitting in the front room. I'm eating breakfast. Shelly wants me to come into the bedroom. She's holding my gym water bottle, and as soon as I saw that, uh, I could feel uh, the blood drain out of my face. I started shaking. I knew that she knew what she was holding, but she asked me, she said, what is in here? Because she had just taken her blood pressure pill with what she thought was water, and it was not water. Um, my heart raced, I could feel my face turning red, and I knew then and there, it was the weirdest thing, not the weirdest thing, but I knew then and there, it was literally a crossroads moment, and I had, I knew, yeah. I knew that she knew, 
And I knew all the years leading up to that, the deception, the lies, the hiding, everything, had all of a sudden come to a a bubble. And I could either try and lie about it, and I knew that wasn't going to work, or I could just straight up be honest. And I've always thought of myself as an honest person, but I realized I really wasn't. Um, But at that moment, I realized that uh, honesty was the only way to go, and I just... I fessed up. The look of dis- despair, disappointment, um, failure on her face as she's looking at me, uh, it just, it was a gut punch. And um, it was a Sunday morning. We were going to Kirkland Church. I was going there to do my stuff in the back that I always do. I prefer to be back there out of sight, out of mind. Um, she was getting ready to lead worship. She was getting ready to, I can't remember if she was speaking that day or not. Um, and to know that I had put her into that situation was just, it's just another piece of salt in the wound. And we were supposed to go on a motorcycle ride that day. Everybody who knows me knows how much I love to get out on my Harley and just go. Um, it doesn't have to be anywhere. I just love to ride. Um, I've put thousands of miles on my bike. And that morning she said, I'm not going with you. She loves to ride with me. And when she said, I'm not going with you, you're going alone. That was just another, you know, gut punch. And I realized it was just piling on that morning. I realized what I had really put her through for years and years leading up to this point. I went on the motorcycle ride and I have ridden in hail. I have ridden in the rain, I've ridden in the sun, I've ridden in the snow, I have heated riding gear. I rode over White Pass once, the men's retreat, and there was, they were still skiing. We were up above the snow line in like the worst conditions, and I've ridden in the great conditions, but that day it was like 80 degrees out, it was sunny, should have been a great ride, and it was the most miserable ride of my entire life because I knew when I got home I had to face the music, and, and I did. Um, um, so that afternoon, um, when I got home, we sat on the back deck and we talked and I cried and I talked and I told her that I will be 100% complete honest, ask me anything. And, and I've learned that that's a very healing thing to do is to be honest with people. Um, but that afternoon we talked the anger, the sadness, the disappointment on her face, was something I really never seen in her before, but I was seeing this and I knew it was all pointed at me. Um, I had lied to her. I had deceived her. I had deceived my entire home. My boys, my boys are in high school, junior high. I mean, they, when I told them what was going on with me, it really explained to them, I think a lot of, oh, why dad was sleeping on the couch at eight o'clock at night and couldn't wake him up. Those type of things. It's just, and to realize, you know, the things that I put them through, it's not fun, but it's a very healing process. Um, When she told me that our marriage was broken, uh, that was, I mean, we had been married for like 28 years, 25 years, something like that at that point. And I had never, ever thought I would hear those words from her. It's not, we didn't separate, we didn't get divorced, but just to hear those words that, our marriage is broken. And I always thought we had a great marriage. But I, again, I realized it was all of my doing. 
Um, that night we talked more, which is good. And then I got to listen to my wife cry herself to sleep. Never forget that. I'll never forget that because there was nobody to blame uh, but myself. Um, the years leading up to that moment, I, I'd go to sleep and I was not in a good condition, but I would pray every night, God, take the desire away from me to drink. Take it away. The next morning I would wake up and the cycle just kept going. And I would do nothing to break that, break that cycle. Just it's, it's hard to explain, um, but it's kind of like, uh, I guess the best way to put it is um, asking God to take my appetite away and then going to a buffet and filling up on, you know, all the seafood and sushi I can possibly put in my gut. It's the same thing when you wait, when you pray, God, take the desire away, and then you do nothing yourself about that. I had to be accountable. Um, and then I, I knew on that July, July, or July morning that I had to put actions behind my prayers, um, or I would lose everything. I, I was really at that point where when she told me that our marriage is broken, I knew that something had to change and I had to change and I needed help. And that's when I reached out to AA. I went to some AA meetings. I did celebrate recovery. I was trying my best to change the um, addictive lifestyle that I had. I started journaling. I never journal. I, I would rather watch a movie than read a book. And for me to actually write stuff down, I can't believe that I actually journaled. I, I'm not as, to be honest, I'm not as great with it today as I was back then. I journaled every single day for probably the, a good year, year and a half. It was healing. Uh, I can go back and I can read things that I was going through at that point in time. And it's really healing. Um, I would reach out to people. When I needed help, I would reach out. It's something I'd never done before. Um, I started praying daily. Wow. Gone to church my entire life. And I decided to start praying uh, daily honest prayers. Not just the little things. Oh, God, thank you for the day. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. But really, really deep down um, honest prayers. I learned that honesty was... It's really the way to go. Um, I became honest with myself. I became honest with my family, my boys, my wife. I sat down with all of them, and I told them what was going on with Dad. That's a fun conversation to have. It's a very healing conversation to have also. Um, and the same thing that I told Shelly, ask me anything, I told them. Ask me anything. I will be honest with you. Um, things post-sobriety. So in the past 1,617 days, um, it hasn't been a life of roses. It hasn't been, it's been good, but there's been some, it's just like everybody else. We've all got things in our life. Nine months after I got sober, Corey, went, my oldest son, went into a diabetic coma and we had to take him to Providence Hospital. This was 2020, the year of COVID. We get to the hospital and I had to drop him off at the front desk admitting desk 
And that's the last time we saw him for 42 days until we picked him up and took him to the, um, the physical therapy place. Um, trying to get a hold of a doctor to get an update on your son or a nurse, you might get a call back every other day and then they're just going to give you, it, it, it's, it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not cool. Um, thankfully one glimmer of hope or a shining light that we had was my nephew was the charge nurse at the time at Providence in the ER. So at least for those first two days, he told us what was going on. Um, and then he was able to get up and, you know, give us little snippets. But that, that was a rough thing, leaving the hospital, just leaving him behind. And he's, he's out of it, and you don't know. You don't know if you're going to see him again. Um, three months after, so that was nine months after. Um, that was in April. Um, in September of that same year, I lost my job. I had worked with AT&T for 20 years, and my job went overseas so here I am out of work my son's in the hospital you know it's just like things and um, I was out of work for five months and that was that was a long time um, but God provided um, during that time I had to move my parents into an assisted living facility that's an interesting thing to do as well is to watch your parents get old but we had to move them into an assisted living facility. And I know 100% that if I was still drinking during that time, I would not be here today standing before you because I know that um, Paul Simons and Shelly Simons would, would not be a thing. And that's a, that, that's a, it's a hard thing to, to realize. But I allowed God to change me through the steps um, that I had worked and I had put actions behind my prayers. Today, like I said, 1,617 days ahead, I can wake up guilt-free. Um, I have no more guiltless or guilt-ridden dreams. Um, I put down here no more bloaty red face. So my face may get bloaty, but at least it's not red. <laughs> I don't have the shakes in the morning anymore. There's no more deception, but instead my mind is clear. My marriage is healed. It's no longer broken. My kids respect me. My family respects me. Um, sobriety and Christ has brought me way more long-term happiness than booze ever, ever did. Um, it may not always be easy but it has definitely been worth it um, I've been able to share my story I don't share a lot but when I do it is it, it's a healing thing to be able to share your story I've been able to share it with other Christian men who are going through the same thing that I went through going to church being an alcoholic this is, it's a it, it, it's a crazy thing but I've been able to share my story with other men that are in the same position and it's helped them and it helps me as well in, in my life today. Um, I've been able to share, share, my fam share my story with family members who have also got their own struggles. Again, sharing is, is caring, sharing is healing. Um, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. And that is so true. And I pray this prayer um, every night when I go to sleep, every morning when I wake up, and throughout the day. And it's God grant me the serenity, the peace, the understanding <clears throat> to accept the things that I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I don't have to take on everybody's problems. I've learned that. That also is very freeing. Um, but I thank God that I am here today. Um, he's brought me through a lot. And I have a life of 32 years. I say that I feel old. This year is going to be my 40th. I've never been to a high school reunion before, and I'm thinking of going because it's going to be my 40th. I always thought old people had a 40th high school reunion. I guess I'm old, but thank you. Write it down. 
Write down your story. Write down your salvation story. Write down how you came to know Christ because somebody needs to hear it. by the testimonies, by the worship, and that you are inspired by this message to tell your story to someone. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be in a group setting. It can be with one person. You can write it down. You can publish it on a social media of some sort. But tell your story. It's powerful. You have one. And be ready to tell how you were saved, how you came to know Jesus. And let this be a part of your New Year's resolution to be ready to share Jesus with anyone. God bless. Mm -hmm.